Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Jimmy Scott Fitness Podcast Radio Show. Coming to you on this Friday, August the 27th, 2021. Hopefully it finds you staying safe and staying sweaty all at the same time. On today's episode, we are talking to my man, James Patrick, who I have known for probably about a decade at this point all the things that he has going on we'll kind of dig into how he started in the game what it's evolved to and hopefully help a lot of you entrepreneurs out there or people looking to do something a little bit different uh, with your life we'll help you out a little bit Uh, before I jump in you guys already know This podcast is brought to you by my homies at Athletic Greens. It's the one thing I take every single day. I never miss. It is easily the best tasting greens on the planet. Uh, You guys have all drinking things that are way worse. Uh, Bush Light, Irish Car Bombs, Goldschlager, you name it. That stuff's disgusting, and it does nothing for you. This, at least, will help your life. And if you guys want to check it out right now, we can hook you up with a year's supply of free vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first order. The site, athleticgreens.com slash Jeremy Scott. And if you're asking, well, why would I take it? Literally all of us struggle eating enough vegetables. Most of us probably don't get more than three or four servings per day. In all reality, you should be eating 10 to 12. And most of us cannot digest that. We're too busy with kids and travel and careers. So this is an easy way to cover the gaps in your nutrition. You still have to eat real food, but if you're looking to kind of cover all your bases, this would be the one thing I would take. You're talking 75 whole food ingredients. There's a probiotic in there, a digestive enzyme. It helps you go to the bathroom. It makes life just easier. And if you really are unsure and you've heard me talk about it 800 times or maybe this is the first podcast you guys have listened to, hit me up. I'll have Monica send you a free sample pack. I don't care what state, country, providence you live in. We'll get it to you. You can try it. You'll find out it doesn't taste like hot trash. And then we'll hook you up with all of the free stuff. Again, the site, athleticgreens.com slash Jeremy Scott. And we're brought to you by my homies at JLab Pro. Again, this is who we go to for our protein, our turmeric, the krill oils we take. If you guys are not taking omegas and fish oil, I would urge you to. Also, the collagen we use, uh, the site, jeremyscottfitness.jlebpro.com. I think right now the collagen has like a 40% off discount code. If you guys are interested, hit us up. Uh, My wife throws it in her coffee. Uh, I tend to use a collagen actually with my athletic greens. I just mix it up and slam it just like you're taking shots at the bar, except this is beneficial for you. So if you guys want to check it out, hit me up. Otherwise, we do have a free supplement guide. We can shoot you as well. We've been sending that out like crazy lately. Um, I kind of break down a hierarchy of what you know you should or shouldn't take and what's the best bang for your buck. So again, the site, jeremyscottfitness.jlebpro.com or hit me up and we'll get you guys the discount codes and shoot you the free guide on us. <sighs> it's a mouthful. All right, my man, James Patrick in the house. What's going on, man? What's up, dude? Um, so these guys who who maybe don't know you, tell us who you are, what you do, what do you got cooking these days? You know, the, the segue into that is I'm looking behind you at this wall of artwork, and I'm seeing your, your wall of covers, including the one I shot of you right there. Yes. Uh, you know, getting into fitness photography was not the plan the plan for me was i guess to be a writer or journalist uh maybe i wasn't a good writer because at some point i was forced at a newspaper i was working at to be a photographer instead and i actually liked that a lot more um fitness photography you know that's something i i chose to do as the economy was dipping back this was 2008 
uh, and I was losing all my clients because I would shoot everything, you know, portraits and fashion and glam. I mean, if, if you wanted me to take a photo, I was going to say yes to it. If you had money. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And many times if you didn't. For sure. Because I thought, well, you know, maybe it will lead to something. Uh, and the more I said yes, the more I just kind of watered down my work, my brand, and what I was known for. So when things got really hard in 2008, and most of my clients went out of business, the ones that didn't go out of business, they weren't hiring generalists. They were only hiring specialists at that point. And I didn't specialize in anything. So this was before fitness photography, and I'm using that in quotes, was a thing. I just said, well, I'll just, you couldn't call fitness photography. That was not a thing. I called it sports portraiture. I was like, I'll just do sports portraiture. That would be my little side hustle or hobby. I did not anticipate it would get as big as it did, or the industry would blow up to the ubiquitous level that it's out now. But I mean, that's, that was what, 13 years ago, right around there. And yeah doing fitness photography, 500 covers in at this point, uh, and still churning. So when you're first starting out, like you're working, like this is like 06, 07, 08, you're working at a newspaper? I was working at a newspaper. This is 2001 through 2005, 2006. I was working at both newspapers and startup magazines. And you were writing at first and not taking any photos, or when did you like say, hey, I'm going to take pictures? I was pure journalist and it was around 2004 plus or minus a year uh, I was working on an assignment and my editor said you know what we're out of staff photographers in the office I need you to take a staff camera and just go snap a photo of the person you're interviewing for your article we just need a headshot of them I was like fine he's like by the way do you know how to use the camera nope that's, on button. That's crazy. Actually. On button. Um, from there, I started working in a different newspaper, and the publisher of this newspaper uh, saw some of the photos I had been putting together uh, just at this old newspaper and transitioned me out of the writer's pool and put me into the photo pool, not really having any experience, like real experience apart from just snapshots. Uh, but he must have saw something, put me in the photo pool. I was uh, a photographer for... I want to say three or four issues of this newspaper, the photo editor of the newspaper left and he immediately promoted me to be the photo editor, having zero experience, really no experience as a photographer, much less a photo editor. But being a photo editor actually forced me to look at for photos, why we're using certain photos, uh, why certain photos are, are published over others, where photos fall in the design of a paper, who we're assigning to shoot different photos. So I started to look at from the client's perspective of what are the actual uses of these assets? And that I think was such a pivotal moment for me as an artist, because now I understand how these photos are being used. And how does it morph into so much health and fitness stuff that you've done over the past, you know, decade plus, like of all the things you could shoot, mm -hmm. How do you just say, hey, this is the lane I'm going to go in and, and pick this? Is it like, hey, this is where the money's at or this no. is what I like to do? Because I'm like, in our reality, and no offense to fitness people, most fitness people are broke as shit. Mm. Um, it's just the truth. Uh, there's the ones, obviously, who rise up and the world is changing a little bit. But historically, you know, you're talking 2008, 9, 10. It's starting to come to it, but there is not social media at scale the way that yep. it is. And it's like, how are you picking, like, this is the thing I want to do? Yeah, there was no fitness industry. Now, I'll be honest. Like, at the time, I'm reading in Entrepreneur Magazine or Inc. Magazine or Fast Company that 
sports and fitness is going to be an industry that erupts. I am reading this. There's going to be more gyms opening. There's going to be more health clubs opening. More nutrition companies will launch. I'm like, okay, that's interesting. But it wasn't a fitness industry. And when I looked at my book of work, it was working with athletes that I enjoyed. And if I was, at the time, I was struggling to book work, I'm like, I'll just do work I like to do, which is working with athletes of some sort. Um, now, fortunately at the time, I was working in marketing as well. I took a full-time career in marketing. So it was, well, this will be my weekend gig, you know, just photographing. So I found co- it was college athletes because uh, I was right out of college. College athletes, which then led into photographing my first you know, fitness competitor, which I had no idea what that was. I'm like, all right, well, maybe there's something here. And I started making photos of that to working with football players, the basketball players, to any athlete I can get in front of my lens. I recreated my entire book. But then I was real intentional about it. I'm like, well, who's publishing work of athletes? And I started to look throughout the state of Arizona first. All right, well, there's Scottsdale Health Magazine. There was another publication out of... Um, uh, Phoenix. There was, you know, a local publication in Tucson where I was at the time. I'm like, oh, well, they, they every now and then publish athletes. Let me call every one of them and just say, I specialize in working with athletes or I want to work with athletes. And it was one client after another started falling in line as I'm building this very specific book. And the more clients I got, the more specificity I was able to add into my book. And that is what started that momentum. So it was a little... A little plan, but also a little just, oh, I'll just do this on the side because I want to do it versus I feel like I have to do it. Well, and the timing, too, is that's pretty crucial for this, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, the one thing I don't want to gloss over is you do something that most people don't do. I'm going to reach out and be proactive to these people who might Correct. have opportunities where a lot of people never do that, especially entrepreneurs. They're afraid to ask or maybe just take the chance. And what does it hurt? I mean, what's the worst case to tell you? No, you suck. We don't want to work with you. I was thinking about, I was just thinking about this the other day about the worst rejections I've ever had as a photographer. And like, I'm working on a presentation about it and it was basically like, we're not taking submissions right now. We have everyone we need. Uh, Thanks for submitting. We'll let you know. Those are the three worst emails I've ever gotten back. But what we think is that we're going to get, you suck, go in a corner and don't bother anyone. That's what we think is going to happen. And you know, 20 years of making photos, I've yet to get that email and I don't see it coming. No, but a lot of people are like, well, what if they say no? I'm like, well, you're in the same boat you were in before. Nothing changed at all. You just know that they said no. And whatever you're pitching at that moment isn't right at that moment. But I've had so many clients who said no to me five years ago who I'm working with now. That is the, I, I will say this. If you stay around long enough, like eventually things kind of come full circle. We hear like if you own a brick and mortar gym, like we still do, people might leave. And then four years later, they're like, oh, it didn't work out for me wherever else or doing it on my own. Can I come back? And now we kind of re up with them again. So if you just kind of stay consistent, you're in the game. Like it's crazy how it turns out. And honestly, you five years ago to where you are now, you're probably that much better, like at your Mm -hmm. craft and what you're doing. And then you meet people like at the right time. I was pitching this one magazine. This was about eight or nine years ago. And my idea to pitch them was I was going to send them a new postcard of my work every single month because I figure most people are emailing or, you know, focusing on social media. I'm actually going to send a printed document. I figured they would appreciate that. 
Nine months in, I've heard nothing, zero. And I'm just thinking the things you might think. I'm not good enough. Maybe I should just stay in my lane. They, they don't like my work. I don't have what it takes. And then I'm on Instagram, and I follow the photo editor on Instagram of this magazine, and there's a photo she posts uh, working late one night on deadline. And she's sitting at her desk, and on the wall, there's this big wall behind her, and it's empty except for one thing, but it looks familiar. So I you know, take my fingers, I zoom in on it, and it's a postcard. It's my postcard. In fact, and I went back and checked my notes because I have OCD about like this stuff and tracking this stuff. It was the first postcard I sent her nine months ago. So this postcard has theoretically been on her wall for up to nine months, and I've heard nothing. So I have this whole narrative in my head that I'm not good enough. This company doesn't like my work because I haven't heard anything back yet. But yet every day, five days a week, she's seeing my work right there. And it was good enough that it's the only thing on her wall. And it was a few months later that I did actually get in touch with them. They did end up hiring me. But that's the thing right there is it can take lots of repetitions of showing your value to a client before they are ready to give you their attention. Well, as the young kids say, you got to shoot your shot, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, well, that's what social media is. Like we, at least the way that we approach it, we give. We don't ask. I mean... We're not requiring you to buy anything. We give and give and give, whether it's content or videos or whatever it may be. And if you think something's awesome, you might buy something. It's like the proof of our work. It's like your stuff. You share it over and over and over. Oh, well, he shot 500 magazine covers. Okay, maybe he knows what the hell he's doing. Like, it's just the body of work over time mm -hmm. really does add up. Uh, for people you've shot, just really quick, just off the top of my head, um, you've shot a ton of athletes. Mm -hmm. Any you can think of off the top? Um, yesterday or two days ago, I was working with Kurt Warner. That was a fun shoot. Oh yeah. No shit. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That was a fun shoot. Um, Patrick Peterson was, was a, another fun shoot where we had several hours with him. Um, you done like Fitz too? Fitzgerald? Larry? No, I haven't. I haven't had Fitz. I was trying to think like, I'm like, I'm trying to think of the covers in my head. I'm like, there's so many over the court just here locally. Yeah. Oh, I wow. mean, Tyron Matthew. Um, oh yeah. You're, you're from, yeah, you're a Vikings fan. We were working with. Um, uh, Adam Thielen from the Vikings not long ago. No kidding. Mm -hmm. He's from Minnesota too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we went out to uh, to uh, his training facility and uh, then out to a local high school and was photographing him at a local high school he likes to run drills at. That's actually pretty cool. Yeah, it was fun. It, you know what was nice about that was the entire time we were shooting, because every now and then like you don't know how people are going to act when you're working with athletes or anyone that's recognizable in public. You know, we've had people like come up, ask for autographs and things like that. But in working with Adam, even though we were in public a lot, no one ever bothered him. There'd be the occasional nod like, yeah, I see you. I recognize you. Uh, I appreciate, you know, what you do for our team. That was about as much as people would uh, bother him because they just saw he was doing his work and he was in the zone. That's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. That's a benefit of what you do. You get to meet these people that a normal person probably never runs in contact. Kind of like a backstage pass to different different elements of life, sure. Uh, so how long did you do both gigs? Like until mm -hmm. you went 100% on your own? Like do you remember what year it was and like how long you juggled them both? And then when's the moment you're like, well, here I'm going to just bounce? I was at my marketing job for seven years after college. And that was probably three years too long. And I probably tried to quit my marketing job three or four times and then chickened out the day of, you know, just with that narrative of, well, 
maybe it's not that bad here. Maybe I can just hang on a little longer. I got the paycheck and, you know, working two full-time jobs. That's, I could manage that, but at some point you can't. True. Uh, and I, I ended up quitting. It was the day before Thanksgiving. I remember that because I had my annual review with my boss and I had that, you know, once again, it was like maybe the fourth or fifth time I've had that feeling like today could be the day I quit. Uh, I go in, have my annual review. Things are going pretty well until my boss has to read to me the comments from my fellow office uh, management team. And he says, most of the comments are pretty good. There was a few, maybe not. I'm like, what do you mean? Because that had never happened before in seven years. He said, well, one guy said you were kind of abrasive to work with. I'm like, well, that's true. <laughs> There's, like, I, I have become a little, a little uh, uh, rough around the edges here because I was, I was not happy at my job. Um, and I was like, what was the other one? He's like, I, I, you know, it's no big deal. I caught him on a bad day. It has nothing to do with you. It's just, I asked him at the wrong time. He says, no, what was the feedback? And the feedback was quote, I've lost all faith in James's ability as our marketing lead unquote. And nice. It was, it, yeah. I mean, and was it a bad day for him? Yes. Did that have anything to do with me? No, it didn't. Uh, he was just kind of out for blood the day he got asked to write up my review for that, for that, uh, report. But that's all it took. And I sat back in my chair. I was like, I'd like to turn in my notice. And my boss, in, in the most beautiful fashion, he sighed. He leaned back in his chair. He says, I'm surprised it took you that long. No shit. No shit. So he knew it was ready to go. Oh, yeah. It's weird how that works. Like, I do remember sitting. I only had one, like, real job, I guess, if you will. I mean, this not that this isn't a real job, but you know what I mean. And I remember I would build the website, not the version that people see today, but the very crappy first version of like Jeremy Scott Fitness, which I never would have called it that if I knew it would be this. But I remember sitting there at my desk. My boss was super cool. He kind of like would let it happen. Like I would do my work and then obviously you're just kind of like eating up the clock and I'd sit there just building it. Like they know. Like people can tell. Like even if, and I wouldn't try to do a shitty job, Mm -hmm. but I would do the bare minimum, like not to get fired. And I'm like, at some point, like I just got to bounce. That's why I always ask people like, was it... Were you worried about, could I make enough money? Is it going to be successful? Or like, what was the main thing that held you back from just being like, you know what, this is it. I need to roll. You know, there was this story in my head. I remember the first time I ever picked up a camera. I was, I was much younger. I picked up uh, one of my father's old cameras. He was not a photographer. He just happened to have a really nice camera. And I was like, oh, photography. That could be a fun career. And his response is, it's definitely an expensive hobby so I had this voice in the back of my head that you can't do this as a job and I didn't know a lot of professionals doing this as a job and particularly you know as we're coming into the 2008 and I'm losing all my clients and I'm seeing others who have been in business for 20 years have to close up shop like this is not a viable career thank god I have my marketing job to support this but at some point when i when i did niche down and got very intentional about who i wanted to be working with and the work i want to be doing i was making more of my side hustle working evenings and working weekends than i was in my full-time job i mean if i accrued eight hours of sick time i took a sick day and i worked my photo job if i accrued eight hours of vacation time took a vacation day. I worked on my photo job. It got to the point where I was doing it on half days because I wasn't able to accrue enough vacation time or enough sick time. So four hours, I left at noon on Friday and would go do a photo project. And at that point, what's the worst case scenario? It's like, I just come back here. Like that is the worst thing that happened. I was being headhunted by other marketing companies. I could have gone to any of those other ones. I was getting other job offers. 
but we kind of conjure up this thing of like, well, if I leave this job, then I could never achieve something like this again. I'm like, yeah, but I got this. So why could I not do that again if I needed to? Well, the weird thing is when you, if you think about it the way you were like, okay, it's your, how your old man would tell you it's an expensive hobby. And I'm sure I didn't, I didn't tell my dad, I don't think on the phone I was going to quit my job because I know he would have been like, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> like, because in that mentality, and it's just, again, it's generational. Like this is a secure job. Mm-hmm. There's a paycheck, there's benefits. What I always go to is it's one check from one person. Mm-hmm. So you have to get fired from one person to have no money. Right now, we'd have to get fired by like 700 people at one time to mm-hmm. have no dollars coming in, which is, I'm not saying impossible, but it's way harder. It'd be like you never getting one lead again from anywhere and no one ever working in your mastermind group, never coming to an event, never wanting to take a picture. It's hard to fathom, but for someone to come fire you like on a Thursday, real easy to happen. But their old school mentality is they've never seen this kind of play out. If you think about it, how many retired photographers do you know? Like retired fitness people, do you know? Like we are probably like the first of that batch. So I get that in a sense, but there's also no belief that it could be possible because nobody ever saw it before. Well, and we're seeing it now. Like, I mean, my father, he worked for IBM his entire career and they had this ethos that they were, they would never lay an employee off. And that was part of their culture to never lay an employee off. That doesn't exist anymore. Not even at IBM. So, I mean, and we saw like our office, the company I worked at, we went from 139 employees to the bottom of the recession. To, I think we had 35. And it's like 07, 08. Yeah. Time and it's frame. like, what security could one have? Like at that point, like I wasn't even working for our local office anymore. I was a regional employee. And so I had some, some shadow of security, but not really. And it's like, if I can control the work that I pump out and the clients I get, there's a lot more security in that. I always say I'd rather be driving the boat than just a guy riding along in it. And I mm-hmm. feel that with the major corporations. And I, I talked to my wife, which you met her, very, the same way I would talk to you or anybody else. There's really no filter. And I don't mean this in a negative way to her. And I'm, she likes what she does. She has fun. There's a lot of benefits. We get to do a lot of cool things because of what she does. And she works for the biggest you know hotel company on the planet. But if she got hit by a bus tomorrow, nobody gives a shit. And I don't mean that in a sad way, but I'm like, that machine is still going to go. They're just going to replace her. They're going to give her stuff to somebody else. It's going to keep rolling. And that's kind of the mentality that these giant corporations have. It's like, well, how do we survive? Mm-hmm. And it's not, I'm not saying they don't care about employees, but the function of like what you do and what I do, like we have to still be here to let it run. Well, that company still has to exist for it to make money. So if they have to cut bait of people, they'll do it in a heartbeat. It literally is just dollars and cents. And it's, it's like a super cold thing to say, but it's the reality for a lot of people out there. Yeah. You're basically just a cog in a system. And it, no matter what, like they'll replace you, they'll go. And at least in this world, I feel like you have at least some control. At least that's how I feel every day when I wake up, like a sense of like, okay, I'm in charge of my day. No one's going to come in here and tell me I can't work here anymore or be here. And at least, you know, I'm the one who's driving the wheel. Here's what's interesting about that. You know, I mean, you and I have been doing this a while is, you know, at some point, many of us left a situation because we, we did not have the control we want or the freedom we want, whether it's freedom in the work we did or freedom in when we did the work or freedom in what how much money we wanted to earn 
And I've been guilty of this, and I've seen others make the same mistake where we leave something because we, we desire this freedom, and then we trap ourselves into a career where we're erasing our own freedom, where you know I see people burning themselves out or taking on projects that they don't even want to be doing or doing work that is not even within the wheelhouse of why they got into what they're doing because they still are holding on to that fear mentality that they had at their old job. That is true. It's, well, you can, it's, how do I phrase it? You're leaving one job for basically another. Mm -hmm. Like you're not really starting a business. You're not really, I call it like creating your ideal life. Mm -hmm. And there's a balance there for everybody. And I'm guilty of, you know, working too much sometimes or whatever. But again, like I'm also like a serial killer. So there's something wrong with me. And I like some of the parts that suck about it. But I do have friends and entrepreneurs who jump into it. And I'm like, well, you just left this job and now you've created your own prison. There's, mm-hmm. really, there's really no difference. And that's a, tough, that's a tough place to navigate when you're the technician, you're the owner, and you're the manager, like all at the same time. And you feel like every opportunity is for you. And that's one piece of advice I would tell people, like every opportunity is not for you. Mm. Like the, the more I say no to things, at least when you're starting out, sure, and you're broke and you have no money, you do what you have to do. I think there's that season of it. But now I'm like, I say, I'm like, I was like, well, how, when someone's like, hey, here's an opportunity for you. I'm like, well, and they present the money. And I'm like, but how much work is it? And how much of my free time is it going to take? Because at some point there's a breaking point where you're like, it's just not even worth it. Because mm-hmm. it's going to take too much of my life happiness to earn a couple extra bucks. And like, I'm not about that anymore. But you only know that because you've taken five seconds to say, is this worth what I'm putting into it? And some people don't even give themselves even that five seconds of space to think, is this even what I want? Or what is it that I want? Or am I, am I good at it? Do, mm-hmm. I, do I even like doing this shit? Mm-hmm. Which most people don't do. They're just like, say yes, yes, yes. And they keep moving forward. If, if we go off of that, uh, best, worst part about being your own boss? Best and worst? Yeah. I mean, the worst part is I'm, I'm the worst boss I've ever had to myself. And I think that's something you can attest with. Like, I don't, I like you, I love the season of that hustle and that kind of achieving that level of output, but it comes at a cost. Like, you know, I mean, we have an event coming up and after the event, I will be crashed out for a week. It it will just pull that much out of me. Um, so it's, it's kind of that double-edged sword. Uh, the best part about it is when I have those moments of realization that I am in control of whatever I want to do and you just get to do something that like, like, you know, just well, a couple of days ago, getting to work with, you know, Kurt at his house. And, you know, it's like, I have this Super Bowl winning champion, you know, uh, who's in, in the hall of fame and I get him for, you know, several hours to make art that I feel is important to me or I did this other project a couple of years ago and it, I was working with Jewish war veterans from every major U.S. conflict dating back to World War II and I had all these all these uh, individuals both men and women who got to spend each like five minutes in front of my camera uh, that I got to make a picture of them it's like experiences like that you can't really erase like that is so cool and it's things like that like I I, I would never say I have a favorite photograph that I've done, but I definitely have like little moments like that that stick out to me. Now, that is pretty, I mean, that's the people is what I always come back to here. It's why mm-hmm. we still do this here. The education and the same thing for you, like to sit with Kurt or these guys who have lived a different life than we would ever imagine. 
talking to individuals here for the last, you know, basically 12, 13 years, I get this kind of secondary education. And maybe sometimes it's like what to do or maybe like what not to do. Like there's lessons or examples and everybody like, okay, well, Roger looks happy, but Rick is miserable as shit. Okay. I'm going to do more of what he does and not what he does. And people from all walks of life, people who are rich, people who are poor, but it's always, to me, it's like, I would never get that if I was no offense to people working at enterprise, but it's not going to happen. I'm just sitting there like, I'm just renting cars. I'm just doing whatever I'm doing. We're here. It's a unique, you can build a relationship with people that you'd never meet otherwise. And I think you get to choose like, really what one year is going to be to the next. I mean, we're, I'm in a new business opening right now. And part of that is I'm in a partnership with someone else. I haven't been in a partnership in a business partnership with someone in a long time. And it's, it's forcing me to, to look at things in a new way and to handle things with the level of patience I've never had before. Uh, and so that kind of brings up a whole new level of kind of curiosity and excitement. Also, the partnerships are tricky too. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would tell someone if it was, if it's not your main, main business, like there's, there are parts of your business. Like we do partnerships and JV ventures with a lot mm -hmm. of different people, but it's not my main thing. And I would never do a 50, 50, like on my main thing with people. Cause one of you is always going to do more work or less work, mm -hmm. or you'll get more shine and less shine. And you'll feel like, well, he's getting all the praise. I'm eating all the shit. He's making too much. <laughs> I'm making too less. I've been through it before. And it's a tough place. And I've seen like friends of mine go through it. Oh, like, yeah. I've watched them start businesses together, split, do their thing. And like, they no longer become friends. It's a weird, it's a weird thing to see. Uh, but it can be done if it's done in like the right context for sure. And you can be way better off for it. But yeah, it definitely is. It's different when you're used to, cause like what we do and that this is for all my entrepreneur friends, it's a lonely life. Like you're on an Island, I'm mm -hmm. on an Island and we can talk about it, but your Island is different than mine is hundred mm -hmm. percent. And there's, we can relate, but I can't help you with your shit and you can't really help me with mine. It's, 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 and I don't think a lot of people, I didn't get into, I mean, I'm kind of a loner by nature, but I didn't get into this realizing like, wow, some days I'm like, especially during like the pandemic, I would sit here for like 12 hours by myself. Mm -hmm. So if our camera guy didn't come in, I'm like, I haven't said a word to a real human other than this phone and the podcast all day. It's really, it's kind of creepy. I don't think we talk a lot about that as business owners really like you're right it can be lonely because the people who might be closest to you might not understand why you do what you do where that drive comes from what is it that that will keep you working at your desk for 12 hours a day uninterrupted because they haven't gone through it themselves well the one thing i oh and i think people sometimes think it's 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 just money driven and at this point for me it is not if if i did things differently in a lot of arenas we'd make more money i would be less happy but there'd be more money there mm -hmm. it's because i think some people need like what we do um that's why we're here we provide a service it's a service business i don't care how you look at it we do it because of that but also it's the momentum of it i don't really slow down because when the momentum slows it's really hard to kick it back up like all the things you've done especially probably the stuff that is unfolding for you today is because of the things you did five years ago yep and if you skip a week or two weeks or a month, I don't know how long that puts you behind or if skipping that month, maybe some opportunities never happen because mm -hmm. you did stuff. And that's what someone from the outside who just works maybe for a giant corporation and you shouldn't like they're paying you for your time and then you clock out where sadly, like this is a prison in your brain where you never really clock out of it. Mm -hmm. That's probably the worst part for me is that there's no, 
I'm going to go home and just completely forget about it. And I might for an hour or two hours, but then something will pop in my head. I'll write a note down. I'll think about yep. something I forgot to do. And I'm like, it's uh, it's like your dark passenger. They're just, they're there with you all the time. Yeah, you're working on your, on the notes app on your phone while you're, while you're getting your workout in, in between sets. It's, it's interesting. And I, I think that's, that's also the part about it. I like, because I don't, I don't want to turn that off. Well, I thought about it the other day because like they'll do, I'll do stuff here, or and I'm sure you question too. I'll go through a whole work day, I'll be productive, and then I'll just be exhausted. I'll come home and I ask myself like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, what are you like? What are you doing right now? Like, is this the best use of your overall time? And I don't mm-hmm. have an answer for people to balance it. And in the same sentence, because my wife will sometimes ask me too, like, how long are you going to do this at this clip? And I'm like, I, I don't know. And I and then I sort of ask myself, what else would I do? Mm-hmm. Like. I don't want to go play golf for five hours a day. Like I don't want to pick up some other habit. Like this is at least productive and I feel like it helps people. But on the same note, I'm like, sometimes I do recognize maybe this is too much in this context. So I'm, I'm trying to get better at, okay, this is the hard stop. I'll put my phone in the other room. I'll walk away and I'm like, I have some escapism, but I also, I can only do that for so long until I want to get back and be productive. So you want to get back into it. It's like a, it's like you're addicted to drugs in a sense. Yeah. And it's, it's the work that fuels the work. I don't even know if it's the outcome because the outcome outcome could be financial, you know, like, well, I've made more money, but that making less money doesn't motivate me less. It, it, it's just, I, the, it's the work for the sake of the work. Yeah. I, I've said like, I obviously like we run a business here, we track things, we have systems, but I probably do it more loosely than other people. Cause it's not the main driving factor of what I do every day. It's not just, okay, how, like, a public tr- publicly traded company, every 90 days, they're supposed to do better. Like, that's how the stock market works. Like, everything's supposed to go up. The First of all, the idea of that is fucking ridiculous. Uh, the fact that that's how things run, I don't care about that as much. I don't care if I lose in this 90 days if I'm winning overall. Like, mm-hmm. I don't care if I win in the first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, but if I win the game, that's the biggest thing. And sometimes we will lose money up front to make money on the back end. Mm-hmm. Like how you probably funded a lot of your stuff. We would train people before the internet became this thing. That's all we would do. I'm like, I'm going to train. I'm going to train because I liked it. People needed it and it was fun, but I would take that money and not pay myself a big salary or buy fancy stuff. I'm like, I'll put it back into the business to build this online piece of it. So it's losing for so long. Well, partly because I'm fucking up and doing stupid stuff because I don't know what the hell I'm doing, but eventually like that money earned goes in back into the business. So it builds this other thing that builds momentum and it kind of grows. And that's a hard part for people to see. It's like, well, you're not as profitable. I'm like, well, maybe not up front. I go, but I have a vision for a year from now, two years from now, three years from now. And that's hard for people to see too. I also get a little dismayed is, is the word that comes to mind when I see how entrepreneurs are really just broadcasting themselves through social media where it is kind of like the greatest hits of their life. It's not a real like documentary of what they have to do to get where they are. It's kind of like, just like this is the car, this is the life, this is the pool, this is the vacation, this is the, the this is the trip, this is the clothes, this is the watch. And it it bugs me because I'm like I feel like this is giving a misrepresentation of what it takes to do the work that you're most passionate about what's well, uh f- first of all like i hate i hate that shit that's just my personality type it's a highlight reel 
of all the things you're doing. And most of those things, like I don't think are real anyway. Mm -hmm. The the percentage of people who start a business and it actually becomes successful and profitable is so small. And it's probably the only thing you do, the longer you do it, the more likely you are to go out of business and to fail. And what I mean is like, it's not like you're going to give James Patrick photography and everything you guys do to somebody else. Like when you're done, it's basically done. Yep. And these kids see this, oh, well, you know, so-and-so drives a Ferrari or they're sitting in a private jet. I'm like, even if that's real, it is like the zero, zero, zero point one percent of people. And, and most of the people, that's not what this is about. And that's not why we do it. Mm-hmm. And I try to be as transparent as possible. I'm like, and this is what I tell everyone, not everybody's meant to do this. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying stay at your corporate job. If you hate it and you want to be a reluctant entrepreneur and you have some kind of plan, which we'll talk about before we get off this episode, but everybody shouldn't be a number one. And what I mean is I always give in the fitness context. If you could work for yourself, make $35,000 a year or lifetime fitness said they'll pay you 300, but you're the number six person there. What would you rather do now? Personally for me, I don't want anybody to tell me what to do. I want to be able to swear and wear what I want and do what I want and say what I want and create my own thing. So it's my legacy. So I'll make the 22 K. I don't give a shit. You can keep your $400,000, but most people, they just want the money Mm -hmm. and the outcome. And if that's the goal for you and the number one goal, I would say it's probably not for you at this stage of your life because you're going to work for so long, at least in my experience, before you make any real money and you'd quit if you didn't love a lot of it way before that ever happened, because you have to be insane to put in all the hours and give up the things you give up to have it become profitable. And that's the real story people should tell, not just the end game, like share chapters one and two, not just chapter 15. Mm -hmm. But that's not sexy for, but that's also having clarity about what you want too, like, if you want just that guaranteed paycheck, then no, this is not, this is not the industry. This is not the business for you. Um, if you want that 401k and just those, those standard work hours, not the career path for you. And that's fine. I don't think there's shame in that. I just think you want clarity and knowing what it is you actually want. And there is no, uh, clarity in this. Mm-mm. There's no rules. No, I mean that the eight, the last 18 months alone have just shown us over and over and over again that things we thought were so consistent and so reliable and this is we do it why because it's the way that it works and it's the way we've done it before. Well, that's all been taken from us, so now what do we do? And it's we get creative when we find new avenues that we never have even would have thought of before. I'm going to ask you about uh, the last 18 months too, but before there's a question I got from uh Instagram just cuz it fits in this guy asked, you know, advice you would give yourself during the first year of being self-employed. Like if you could go back and give yourself like, hey, here's a tip or here's something to do uh, that would maybe help you or make your life less miserable. Because my first year was not super profitable. I'll put that to put it in a, in a great sense. It wasn't really balling out of control year number one. You know, when I... I have kind of a two part answer to that. Cause I think back to like when I first started as a photographer, it would be what I did when I left my corporate job, which was very proactive, not reactive in my marketing. I honed in on the clients I wanted to have and I direct marketed them versus waiting for them to come to me. Um, early in my career, I didn't do that. I would do a lot of reactive marketing, built a website and hope people found it. Um, you know, got published, hope people saw the published feature, even, even to some extent, like buying an ad is reactive marketing. You're, you're placing your work somewhere, hoping people see and take action on it. Uh, proactive marketing is what built the business that I have now, but 
you know, looking to when I left my corporate job to just do photography full time, I sacrificed a lot of things that I should not have sacrificed in order to build my business. And I think about like sacrificing my health, sacrificing my my mental stability, sacrificing relationships. And I do believe sacrifices are important because there's such a finite amount of you in this mix. But it was... I put success and I put happiness and I put fulfillment based upon conditions. So I would say things like I'll be successful. I'll be happy when I reach fill in the blank, certain financial metric. I'll be, I'll make time to work out once I get this level of business coming in, I'll make time for relationships. Once I, once I am earning this sort of revenue or have this sort of business. But the problem was, was I kept moving the finish line. And if I would hit it, I'd feel the same because maybe it was a hollow goal or maybe it was too easy to hit or maybe you know, for whatever reason, I just moved it further and further along. But yet I'm now continuing to sacrifice and not give uh, respect to my physical health, my mental health or the, my relational health. And that right there is what perpetuated that island to be a lot lonelier and a lot worse overall. And that shit goes forever. Yeah. I mean, you, as, as, you can take that forever as long as you want. And then what's the result? You, you, you die too early and you die alone. And it's like, well, but I built this great business. But if you can't share it with anybody and you Bingo. don't really enjoy it, like what's it worth? Exactly. What, when does that shift for you? Like what, like what year or is there like a moment where you're like, man, this is not the trajectory I want to be on. There was this moment where I was, and it was kind of like, midway between when I left my corporate job and today. Um, so what is that? Eight years ago, somewhere around there. Um, and I was always tired every single day and I wasn't sleeping well. And I ended up going into my doctor and talking to him and being like, well, maybe, maybe something's wrong with me. I, and I'm like just Googling shit. Cause I don't know. And he ends up running a bunch of tests and panels and he's just like well tell me about your day and he's like what are you doing like you're you're overweight right now you're yeah what would you what would your day be like like uh, back before you like started to give a shit about yourself i mean it was it was basically like i would i would be up by five six in the morning starting to work and i would and i would work into like one or two at night um just nonstop. like there was one year as a photographer and I couldn't believe it until I pulled up my, my books, but I had shot 500 individual projects in a single year, 500 billable projects. So you're doing projects, like multiples. Multiple a day. Yeah. Jesus, dude. Like there were days I had 10 projects in a day. Um, and so like my doctor's like, all right, you're, you're overweight. Uh, your blood pressure is getting dangerous. Like I might have to put you on blood pressure medication. Uh, your blood sugar is entering the range of being pre-diabetic you need to make some changes. I'm and you're just, like, what, you're in your 20s? Yeah, late 20s. Yeah. And I'm just like, but Jeremy, I'm hustling. Yeah. Like, this is this is what, the, I'm living the entrepreneurial you're life. Making this is money. What, yeah. Get the Ferrari. Um, I get it. And so that was kind of like a nice rude awakening for me. Um, you know, for me, it was like, I had to make shifts that were like, you can't just like say, well, I'm going to change everything overnight. It doesn't work that way, as, as, as you know. So I made little shifts that helped me make bigger changes over time. So I just have some non-negotiables right now. Like if, when I look at my life, like a non-negotiable for me is like, I will have movement or sweat for 20 minutes a day. Now does sweating 20 minutes a day, get me in shape. It does not. 
Um, but I sweat 20 minutes a day and more often than not, probably five, six days a week that leads into a full workout. Um, I will, uh, it's so funny. You mentioned greens. Um, I will, uh, drink a green juice every day or a green powder every single day. Uh, now does that make me lose weight? Nope. But it makes me more conscious about what I put in my body the rest of the day. So I'll make better decisions the rest of the day. So I was able to build these little tiny, tiny, tiny anchors that help me make bigger changes in my life. It's crazy because a lot of people, you did it, I mean, how many years you're talking? Five, six years? Yeah, probably around six years. Like, but it evolved, you're like, uh, over, you know, it evolved. Which is crazy because some people go like 30 years, dude, and don't make that change and they don't make that shift. And we catch them here. It's the same thing. You're, they'll spend three decades trying to build a business or acquire wealth more often than not because money becomes this prime driver for people. And I understand it's an economical world. I'm not saying don't value money. Like we make it, we, I understand the importance of it, but for 30 years, they'll do that. We'll meet them when they're 52 and they spend the next 20 years trying to buy their health back. Mm -hmm. And like that hole's pretty fucking deep, dude. After that long, like you're five, six years in, you're in your twenties, you're still body's still pretty resilient. You probably done some damage, but not too much. But if you, if you didn't catch that and you're still doing that to this day, like, do you have a heart attack? Like, do you have diabetes at this point? Mm -hmm. Like, and is your business even, I guess, are you even having fun at that point? Yeah. But on the flip side, like if you, I don't know if you can start that from the, you have to kind of experience it to like have a wake up call Mm -hmm. basically. And you probably had to do some of that shit to get to the point you're at today. Like, so there is some of that hustle where it's like, you have to do it, but it comes to a point where it's like, it's diminishing returns. Yes. Especially I mean, how many nights have you and I spent like working late and then getting almost nothing done that we finished five minutes the next day. It's uh well, it's, what is that like today? Rob's tomorrow mm-hmm. basically. And I'm become a, and there's, I have a lot of hard stops now because I just, I want to feel like shit. That's my yeah. number one factor. Like if I don't feel good, nothing else matters. Mm-hmm. Like I, if I'm exhausted, tired, or just beat down, or if I don't feel healthy, I don't care what happens. And I don't mean this like in a terrible way to anybody, but I don't give a shit if this whole building blows up. If I don't feel good, that's my number one source of like how I gauge happiness. Like I need to feel good. I need to like what I'm doing. It can't feel like a chore all the time. Mm -hmm. And when you're going at that clip, like you're working all, it's just like, it swallows your life. It really does. And you're making money and you're successful on the outside, but you're miserable as fuck. And to me, that isn't worth anything. And a lot of people, when you start to, I guess, gain traction or opportunities come your way, you feel like I should be doing this all the time, but it is okay to like, to pull back a little bit. And it's, you know, as they say in the airplane, you know, put your mask on first, which in this world, a lot of us don't do that, which is kind of crazy. If I could tell myself one thing, like early on, I'd be like, just ask, it's okay to ask for help Mm -hmm. from people, especially people who are not even in your industry, which is helpful, but people who just like run a business and have ran businesses and are entrepreneurs and they're older than you because they've done all the shit that you're going to do. And they hopefully can tell you these things so you don't have to learn them yourself. But it's tough because a lot of young people, you know, you're 25, 26, you know everything. You got the world figured out. But that is not the reality for most of us. It's just a question of like, how much time are you willing to spend figuring out yourself versus getting over your own ego and just asking someone who's done it before you. And that cuts off like 
so many years of learning curve. Mm-hmm. Like just asking someone, especially because we're not all great at everything. No. Like even in like photography or your business, there's things that you've learned and acquired and done, but there's people who probably did segments of it better. And if you just ask them at 27, instead of waiting till you're 33, like how much faster do you get there? So early in my career, I was at this point, I'm already booking work. I'm already a, you know, I mean, if, if the definition of a professional photographer is a photographer who gets paid to do their job, I'm a professional photographer, but I actually take a pause and I start working as a photo assistant for another photographer. And the reason I did that was because I realized that both the quality of the work I was doing and how I was working with clients was not at a level I wanted it to be. So I actually spent three years, I still had my own business, but I I spent three years interning and assisting another photographer. And a lot would say, isn't that taking a step back? And it was like, sure, maybe, but this is putting me 10 steps forward. Like what I learned in that time was like, I mean, from a technical standpoint, absolutely. But from watching how this professional interacted with his clients, how he managed those relationships, what his cadence was like on set and the energy he brought to the people he worked with, that was not just career change. That was life changing to be a part of that. And do you, to this day, like have photographer friends? Oh, yeah. Where you kind of like maybe trade best practices or you know, kind of just shoot the shit and, 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 and just kind of, you know, talk about what's happening within the industry also, because I mean, we kind of all go through it together. Uh, so there's that little commonality. I do, I'll be honest, like I struggle connecting with contemporaries, people who do what I do within my industry. And it's, it's because I am so judgmental of my own work that when I look at the work of someone else who is within my industry, I look at what I'm not doing. So it's really hard for me to do that um, just because I'd like to beat up my own work. But I'll look at, let's say, a fashion photographer because I don't consider myself a fashion photographer or like a dramatic portrait photographer, not something I consider in my my zone of expertise or uh, a celebrity photographer, uh, not something I would I would really label myself as. And I could look at work like that and find such such appreciation and admiration for the work without beating my own work up in the process. Well, I think a lot of people, entrepreneurs or people who do this for a living are critical of their own stuff. Mm -hmm. Like I don't listen to these podcasts Mm -hmm. afterwards. I don't want to hear myself talk. It's disgusting. Uh, I would agree. I don't watch myself back on Instagram. I don't give a shit. I took enough time putting it on there in the first place. Like I don't need to see myself exercise. Like I get it. So we are, it is a, a gift and a curse, I suppose. In fitness, I mean, I would not be here if it wasn't for other people and mm-hmm. learning from them. And we're on a, a huge group text, a lot of us. And I look at their stuff and like we can all share ideas and see what we're doing together. And that has helped me probably more than anything, like having this circle of people who, and this is what I do think a lot of people make mistakes early on or maybe forever. They feel like somehow someone else's success is steal from their success. Yep. And there isn't a bunch, like, even if it's local, right? Like we're, it's a global now you're competing with everyone. You mm-hmm. are, I am, we all are. The internet is, is basically leveled the playing field in terms of that made it where we all have opportunities, but then we all have competition. But even with that said, there's so many people out there. There's enough abundance for all of us to be awesome. And if Alexia is awesome or uh, Nikki or Kim or BJ or whoever it is, like it doesn't take away from me. And I'm happy to, to share them on my platform and vice versa. And I think 
rising tides does raise all ships. Like we become more successful that way. But a lot of people shy away from it. Like, well, if I talk about that person and say they're good or I, I have them on our stuff, they're going to take away business from me. And I think that couldn't be further from the truth for most people. But that's an ego thing. Just like for you to go, I'm going to be an assistant for somebody, even though I'm already running my business and making money, and this is probably more dudes than women, it's an ego thing. Well, I don't want to be looked at as like an assistant. I'm taking a step back, which is if you didn't do that, you probably wouldn't be here today. Mm -mm. I love being that guy's assistant. It's just like to be in his ecosystem made me better at my job, but also like, I'll be honest, it looked really good for me because his clients looked favorably upon me. Um, but I've struggled with people looking at life as a zero sum game. I mean, photographers who just assume that because I was able to do a project that they themselves were not able to do a project. And it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that someone would choose to look at life that way. It's, uh, ego immaturity for sure. Like if I'm being transparent, maybe when I'm 25, 26, you'd see dudes, and fitness is different uh, than some other industries because it is so, it's like, look at me. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like. And your image is your brand. Yeah. And it's kind of like, no offense, it's kind of douchey um, in, in some of the shit we have to do. Like, do I really want to exercise in little shorts here with perfect lighting and a tan on? No, I fucking hate that stuff. I go, but it's what get eye, it gets eyeballs on our stuff. It's the sizzle. We give them the steak when they're here. If I don't do that, they don't stop scrolling. So it's this weird kind of like we're trying for it to get everybody's attention. Mm-hmm. We're basically just trying to take up real estate in people's brains all the time, which I'm fine with. But when I'm a young guy, I'm seeing people, oh, well, so-and-so's on this magazine cover. So-and-so got this. So-and-so got that. And I didn't get that. And when you're young and you're immature, you get this jealousy of that. Like, well, why didn't I get that opportunity? And why didn't that happen for me? Mm-hmm. And as I got older, I realized like, well, maybe that opportunity wasn't right for me. Or I wasn't ready for that at this point in my life. And when you can get past that, like life can get really good. But there's a lot of times where you think everybody is competition. And the reality is like we're not. Like we all can help each other be amazing. But it's a tough, it's, it's hard for people to get uh, to that point in their brain. And that's why a lot of people end up failing is because they look at everyone as everyone's against them. And that's like couldn't be farther from the truth. Well, yeah, I think you're hitting the nail on the head here. It's like, you know, it, that would be like, the reason I'm shooting this magazine cover is because I just want to prevent you as a separate photographer from shooting this magazine cover. My whole intention of why I'm shooting this cover is so you do not. I'm just like, this has nothing to do with myself, my goals, my career, my aspirations, my work, my vision. I just want to prevent you from having, and that's, that's really what that brain of, of our, you know, our, our lower selves is thinking, but no, like, when someone gets a great project, they're not doing it, so I don't get it. They're doing it because they worked hard and they really wanted this project and they campaigned for it. Like, and that should be celebrated and respected, not diminished. And like maybe they deserve the opportunity exactly. that they got, which I know it's a hard concept to swallow for people, but maybe <laughs> it's a very, very controversial that's podcast. What they deserved. Uh, so if we look at your business now, like as a whole, it's more than just taking photos. So how does it? Obviously, it evolves over time. Like, same thing for me. Like, I mean, if I go way, way back, similar to what you did, you're sending stuff to Scottsdale Health, and so Scottsdale and all these other magazines, I, same thing, pen and paper, I'm like writing notes and sending them to local gyms, like, can I train people in your facility? When I'm a young, broke kid, I have no money, I'm doing shit in a park, and obviously, it's evolved to be this thing where 
obviously now we own the space. We have a podcast. The internet is the biggest thing of what we do. Your business, how it runs now, photography work versus kind of some of the coaching stuff and the other things that you do. I mean, how interesting is it that I spent seven years working in marketing as just a job that I was going to take outside of college that I never thought would come back into my ecosystem. And not only did I apply everything I learned in my marketing job to my own business, but also what I was looking at is I'm working with all these health and fitness entrepreneurs and particularly helping them with media acquisition, getting published, but they had no idea how to build market and profit from a brand that they were trying to build. And we had, we had clients who we would land on not one, not two, but three national, international covers and features. And then a couple months later, they're out of business because they had no idea what to do with this leverage that they were building. And you can only see so many people struggle with something that you've gained an intimate understanding of before you're like, well, let me talk to you about that. And I resisted this idea of looking at myself as a coach or, 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 or a business strategist because I was just like, well, I'm just giving tips. I'm, I'm just telling them what to do what I was doing and what I learned and, and what I was kind of navigating at that, at that time, you know, a few years before them. And then we realized oh no, this is actually serving our audience. What what would happen if we gathered people together and we just shared best practices and strategies and that's what turned into our conference symposium? Okay, what would happen if we gathered together a smaller subgroup of uh, high-level entrepreneurs within this industry and worked with them over the course of the year? That turned into our mastermind. What would happen if I gave people one-on-one attention in, in the growth of the brand? That turned into my coaching practice. So everything happened with that question of what would happen if, and it was really just analyzing what does our audience need from us? Not what we think they need, but what are they telling us that they actually need? And what they were saying they actually needed was help with their marketing strategy. So you already, you mean you already have the audience because mm-hmm. you're taking the photos, you're in the world. Like yep. We've known you for, I don't know. I think 10 years. Yeah, a long time. Um, I mean, way, I mean, I can go way back, like, from all the stuff, like, which is crazy to think. Like, we're just on this journey, and it just keeps evolving, and we're still here, breathing. When so many people quit the industry and they leave, we're still around. Mm-hmm. Uh, for you to have this audience, you're looking at them, and this is what I don't think a lot of, and there's a lot of fitness people who listen to this who are coaches themselves, they run a business. I think they equate... If I get exposure or if I have this, you know, followers on the internet, whatever people are into now, that you're going to crush it and make a ton of money. And I, and I, I mean this in all sincerity, if you have a huge audience, can you make money? Yes, you can make a shit ton of money. Does it necessarily guarantee it? No, it does mm-hmm. not. There's friends of mine, like I'll use, like Tommy Baker. Um, Tommy's amazing. He does not have the biggest audience on Instagram. I don't even know what it is. 10,000 maybe, maybe less. There's friends of mine who I won't name who have 100, 150,000. Tommy's doing pretty well for himself. He's making real money. He has a business. He understands his audience. He knows how to deliver what he's doing. He gets how to market and sell. There's people that I know personally and have known him forever. 150,000 people watch all their stuff. They're dead broke. They mm-hmm. have no money. They don't understand how to help people, how to really, I guess, convey what they're offering or what they're trying to do, or really even have something to present them. So they have this audience, but there's no way to, I guess, capture and nurture those people and give them something of value. And that's a a common misconception, I think, is like, well, if I get to 10,000 followers on Instagram, then I'm going to crush it. I'm like, bro, it's not like they send you a check for 10K that day. It doesn't guarantee you shit. It just gives you more people and more eyeballs, which is great. But if you can't convert them, what is it worth? 
And you guys kind of help bridge that gap for people. I had this guy, uh, no, that's your question. I had this guy a couple of years ago. It was probably longer than that. It was back when people cared about Twitter followings and he messaged me and say, you know, we should do a photo shoot together. I sent him over my rates and he says, well, I can't do that, but I have 2 million Twitter followers and I'll, I'll promote the hell out of you and your business to my Twitter followers. And I said, this is great. Tell you what, go to your followers and have them each give you $1 split it with me 50 50 we'll each have a million dollars then i will photograph you without restriction for an entire year it's going to be amazing he never responded to that so i guess he didn't he didn't have the pull with his audience that i thought he did um that's fucking crazy actually and i've i can't believe i've never thought of that i can't i mean that's an amazing that's amazing actually that you said that just give a dollar from every person and we could split it that's i mean and so clearly the guy got like four bucks and it didn't work out (laughs) I don't know why, like where this kind of vanity metric came from that we just started to care so much about a number that equates to zero. And I mean, we saw this happen with MySpace. We saw it happen with Facebook pages. And now we're seeing it happen with Instagram where people will invest so much time and energy and equity into building an audience that they can't even reach. And if you can't reach your audience, you can't monetize your audience. If you can't monetize your audience, what is the purpose of having an audience? If you can't even get engagement out of your audience, it's a, uh, and it's it's something you don't own. And I, I love all these <laughs> platforms. Like we've made a ton of money. I'm not going to complain. And I try to give you guys as much value as I can. But I don't own Instagram. No, try I'm, calling Instagram and asking for like a CSV file of all your followers. It's you can and their email addresses. Like it's, I can go back and again, I'm old in fitness compared to a lot of people. So my brain dates back to before, like we started this business way before Instagram, when Facebook had business pages. It had basically it wasn't anything was a thing yet. It just started, and people thought I was a fucking idiot for doing one. But I'm like, well, at least I want to be on the platform. The one thing we always learned, and maybe this is a generational thing, was like build your list. Yep. But it's your email list. So I own it. Mm-hmm. Like no one can take it away from me. As long as I follow the rules and don't spam the shit out of you guys, like nothing is going to kind of deter me from presenting to you. And still to this day, we, we do a ton of business obviously on Instagram through DMS and stuff, just because we'll still do like hand to hand combat. But our email list is the biggest thing. Cause that's where we can like have longer, I guess the podcast is great. Cause it's long form conversation. But on email, it's like it's coming to your inbox. You're choosing to open it up, see mm-hmm. it, click it, read it, watch it. And these other platforms we don't own. And I think sometimes we get so fixated on this where the, the I call it fake famous, where it's like a lot of people follow you. I'm like, that's super cool, but what is it worth at the end of the day if they're not engaging with you and you can't really connect with those people? And that's what's happening a lot. And all the platforms kind of go through this, I guess, natural life cycle, if you will, which is crazy to see. But you try your guys's goal. So like, obviously, before I get lost in it, Fitposium, like you say it, but the people who are listening who don't know, what is it? Who is it for? How did it come about? Like, why did you guys create it? Who's who would who would benefit from it? Well, the original idea was what would happen if we got fitness professionals together to talk about how to navigate the industry as a community versus struggling as individuals. And that was back in 2015. And we had 50 people in that room. And you were there, actually, I remember that, uh, in a little room in a Holiday Inn Express. Uh, you were one of our presenters that year. Um, since then, I mean, we grew it at its height in 2019. We had 500 people crammed in a massive 
uh, no shit. conference room. Yeah. It's a lot. Um, I mean, it got big. It got big. And then 2020 forced us to shift how we are delivering because, you know, can't can't do a big conference anymore. So it's like, all right, well, how do we how do we still convey the same results in helping people create and market with whatever their brand is within the health and fitness space? As we were coming into this year, we decided to to focus even further. And what we realized is the thing we do that no one else does is we excel in media opportunities. Every year at the conference, we've partnered with magazines, with podcasts, with digital publications, with media outlets, with television shows to give our attendees exclusive opportunities to earn media features. And the benefit of media features is, I mean, yeah, sure, vanity. You know, you're in a magazine. It looks cool. It feels good. Okay. That doesn't move the needle. But there are other two other reasons that you might want media features. One is authority amplification to say, listen, my work, my business, my brand was featured in these outlets. It builds trust and it can build rapport with your audience. All right. So authority amplification. And then the third would be lead generation. You land a feature in, let's just see, let's just even say a local magazine or your local news channel and people in your community see it and they walk into your business or they knock on your door. They send you an email because they want to do business with the person they saw in the local news or the person that they saw in that magazine feature or because you wrote a column for a magazine over the course of six or seven months. They've gotten almost a sense to know you and they want to take that next step to enter into your ecosystem. So earned media can absolutely be leveraged if it's applied. And so our entire focus, our myopic focus at our conference this year is how do you land features and how do you leverage the features you landed to actually grow your business? Which is everything Mm -hmm. essentially for these guys. And I would say from personal experience, and this is what I would tell any entrepreneur especially if it's fitness because we're it's in a weird space where everybody wants to be you know fake famous on the internet Mm -hmm. and be larger than life but what would you do with it if it all came like tomorrow and i've said this to young coaches i've had here in my caveman if men's health called you tomorrow and wanted you to come on set you know do a whole production would you do it and they're always like well yeah for sure i'm like for one are you even ready like can you even like you know be ready for the opportunity and let's say you are by some chance And let's say tomorrow, a thousand people message you. Do you even have a system set up in place to deal with all those leads and handle all the business that just came your way? And a lot of times these people don't. So the one thing I would say to guys listening is the local stuff, like you mentioned, I think is more important, at least up front. Because if you can like master your hood and be awesome in your community, that is going to convert into more dollars, in my opinion, and help you much further than just something else randomly thrown out into space like for our our personal experience like years and years ago like when the cover with like my mom and i i have a brick and mortar facility i probably got 30 people to come in the door Mm -hmm. within three to six months of that now if we know the life cycle of a customer here and we can you know say every person is worth around three thousand dollars a year you can do the math i just dropped 100k in my pocket it's a pretty good roi Mm -hmm. for shooting a photo for you know a couple of hours where I guess we think, well, if I have this many followers on this or this, it doesn't matter. I go, if you can really have something that connects with the people like who are close to you in proximity, I think that does go a long way. And then obviously if you can branch it out from there, but we sometimes get, you know, this shiny object center more. It's like, well, it needs to be larger than life. I'm like, yeah, but if you get in a magazine or if you get on a podcast, but they can't connect with you on your website or they, 
nothing you have to share on the back end, then what is it worth? Exactly. The lead, the lead just falls off right then and there because you have, let's look at a magazine cover. Like, I mean, that cover that we shot with you and your mom, that was out for 30 days. After 30 days, I shot a different cover and a different magazine got put out. So you had 30 days to capitalize on those leads for your lead generation. Now, you can always refer back to that as authority amplification. Like you can repost that, you can share it again, you can put it out to your audience who may have never seen it before. I mean, there's so much you can do because you own that for life. So you can leverage that equity, but it's only out available for 30 days and, and it, look at look at this podcast like this podcast what is the shelf life of this podcast it doesn't go away it doesn't get deleted it lives out there forever so it could be found through long tail content but it is going to be your top downloaded podcast that week until your next podcast comes out yeah usually with yeah our podcast work like it'll be today tomorrow it'll go all because it'll come out next week on our newsletter too so we'll bump it up a little bit but you probably have 14 days 14 days so after 14 days, the, the amount of hits that this show is going to get is going to start to go down pretty dramatically because you have another show that's out. Yep. And that's the most recent show. So it's about what, you know, making sure you have that system or you at least have a net to capture people's interest and attention so that you can guide them through and nurture them in your ecosystem. And you mentioned it already. Like it does build on each other if you leverage it properly mm-hmm. uh, early on. And now I now things kind of just come to us and we pick and choose. And I'll reach out to companies who are doing good things we want to work with. But early on, you know, I'm a loser, essentially. And nobody want, nobody knows who I am. I'm just like Jeremy the trainer in the Scottsdale Air Park and nobody gives a shit. But when you get one opportunity, like with like Livestrong at the time, and then I take that to Reebok. And then I take Reebok to Vitamin Shop, and I just keep stacking them on each other and harassing mm-hmm. them. Hey, I've worked with all the – and you start to – I'm not saying you're not important, but you look, like, super fancy. And you're the same dude either way. But you have all these big brands behind your name, and I just kept leveraging and leveraging and leveraging. So that does work. But if you – the one mistake I did make, and this is super early on. I remember we did something for Cut and Jacked, which back in the day was, like, super popular online digitally. Wrote an article on, like, car backloading, which is popular – and I remember the site just kept blowing up. Like we probably got 10,000 people um, added to our list within maybe a month, but I had nothing to offer them. Mm-hmm. I had nothing digitally. I had no products. I had no services. So I just have 10,000 people now added to my email list, which is a shit ton of people early on. And I'm in Scottsdale, but they're in New Jersey. They're in Nebraska and they just sit there. And I'm sure over time, Half of them unsubscribed because like, what the hell am I here for? Mm-hmm. You know, because I'm not offering them what I need to. And that's a lesson a lot of young people can learn. Like you have to have things set up to be able to even handle the influx of people who are to come your way initially, which takes work. Because we just did a podcast for Ryan Rosillo, who's his stuff's, mm. on, his stuff's on the ringer. And shout out to Ryan. I appreciate it. Uh, I probably got 10 new people on the internet um, as clients of ours or to be in our 47 day transformation and who knows whatever else things they bought that had a a huge profit to our bottom line, but we had all the systems set up and I know I go, okay, his podcast is even bigger than mine. And these are people who probably don't know me. So in the next, you know, five to seven days, I need to be on top of my shit. So I'm spending double the time on the internet, replying back to people, trying to follow up, do leads, set up phone calls, which takes a lot of work. So the takeaway is for you guys, if that does happen for you, 
you have to be prepared for the influx of people. And because if you don't, here's the thing, if I don't call those people back, I don't message them, email them, you know, shoot them in any info, they're probably never going to talk to me again. It goes cold. And that's probably the worst place to be mm-hmm. when you miss these giant opportunities. And you guys, essentially, Fitposium is a, it's a conference to help people understand this process better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And is it just fitness? It's not just trainers. I mean, fitness is the common thing that everyone shares, right? But, I mean, we have everything from health coaches to nutritionists to people who've launched their own small business to gym owners to people who design athletic apparel companies uh, to people who've launched their own CBD company uh, to people who are relationship coaches. Health and wellness is just that common thread that ties everything together, but it's people who are interested in earning media. So we not only teach you how to earn media, but we've partnered with 32 media outlets and counting who are giving exclusive opportunities for attendees. So Oxygen Magazine, Strong Fitness Magazine, uh, Fitness Magazine, Inside Fitness Magazine, um, Phoenix Magazine, uh, Icon Fit Magazine. They're all giving exclusive opportunities to attendees at the conference to land features with their publications. So the day of the conference, there are going to be at least 32 people who walk away with a project in hand or feature in hand. And that's assuming that every one of our partners only selects one person. And some of our partners, there have been years, some of our partners have selected five, six, seven, eight, nine people from the conference to feature within their publication or on their podcast or in their digital network. Which is pretty cool, mm-hmm. actually. Yeah. And these are all stages of business? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So people who've been around for a while or people who are like, hey... We, one of our one of our attendees landed her first cover this morning. No shit. This morning. Now, she's been in business for 10 years, but she landed her first printed media cover this morning. And so she gets to celebrate that right now. We've had people who are brand new to the industry who have already landed national and international printed media features. And they're brand new to the industry. So this is for everyone at every stage. If you want to amplify that authority, if you want to generate leads for your business... This is how you do it. And you have, there's a bunch of podcasts features too. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, your podcast being one of them, we have. I saw Felicia. Yep. Felicia's in. We have uh, Tommy's uh, Resist Average Academy. That's great. We have nine podcast partners. We have 17 magazine partners and we have six digital publication partners. I think that, I think that adds up to 32. That's a pretty good deal for people because otherwise, you know, you know, I'm saying not like we only bring our friends on here, but unless you're like a doctor or you have like some really unique story, like I probably don't know who you are. If you're just a fitness person, like, and we're not friends, like I'm probably not going to, you're going to message me and no offense, I'm probably going to ignore it Mm -hmm. and be like, (laughs) you're not going to come on here. I don't want to sit with you for two hours and talk shit, but you guys are offering an opportunity for these people to do that, which is pretty cool in all reality. If we, so I don't want to get lost in this. So if it posium you have going on, the photos you have going on, then you guys do have a mastermind group where you help young entrepreneurs, if you will, yeah, be better. And what is that? Just a real quick glance over, like, what does that look like? We, we started that, I want to say 2018. Uh, so this is our third year we've done it. And we had we changed that too. And I just kind of looked at mastermind groups. And the idea was gathering together entrepreneurs to share best practices and support each other in a very high touch capacity. But what I found is groups that I was a part of and even the group I was running turned more into a education slash networking event that focused a lot on these high ticket retreats and a lot of Instagram 
posts and, you know, really looked good for the vanity uh, metric, but wasn't really helping business. And so we stripped out really all of that. And we're like, you know what, what, what would I want to be a part of as a business owner? And for me, the answer was, I just want to sit around a table with other entrepreneurs, talk about what I'm working on, get their advice and their input, and then have them do the same thing. And then I can pour into their business. So that's all it is. We get together once a month. Uh, you know, the people who are here in Arizona, we can do it in person, but we have people all across the country uh, who will join us just through our teleconference. We just sit around and we just work on each other's businesses every single month. It's super simple. And I do think for any entrepreneurs listening, at some point, you should be part of a group like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and the people don't necessarily have to all be like you. I was part of one for many years and none of them are a person on social media like I am, which was totally fine. And it really, it made no difference, but they ran really good businesses and they did things similar to me, but different than me in a lot of ways. And so we can beg, borrow, steal, share best practices. I wouldn't be sitting here today if I didn't have a lot of those influences. So that is an awesome thing too. Uh, Let me run through these quick before I get you out of here. The biggest mistakes you see the young entrepreneurs make that come in to your guys's, whether it's a conference or the groups mm-hmm. itself, whether it's fitness specific or just overall reactive marketing. It's, it's the number one thing I see. It, it's this idea that if I build something, people will just find it. And I, and I would add to that, they make it even worse by thinking that the problem uh, of why their program isn't selling or why their product isn't moving or why their service isn't being picked up is that there's a problem with the program, the product or the service. So they will spend all their time rebuilding a new program, refilming a new course, rescripting a new thing that they want to put out there. But what they're not doing is they're not focusing on building proper leads and then nurturing those leads. You might not have any problem with your product or service. You might just have a lead generation problem and a marketing problem to get people to see what it is you're doing. And then more importantly, why what you're doing matters to their life, not yours. I do see that. Um, It's a weird thing. If you were to pick one, uh, and I do this all the time, leads or conversions, like which one is more important conversions 100 percent. i agree but a lot of people just focus on okay if i put it on instagram people will see it i'm like okay but you have to actually at some point you have to sell well and you and you know selling takes an investment so if i had let's just say i had a um a 10 percent conversion and i get 100 leads well i can convert that into 10 sales Um, but if I had a 20% conversion off the same number of leads, I've now doubled my income. Uh, you know, doubling the amount of leads is just that much more time I have to spend on doing the sales, on doing the marketing, on actually being on calls with people. So I'd rather focus on like getting my conversion as high as it can be so that we're closing more of the people enter into the ecosystem, get that as high as it be. It'll never be a hundred percent, but, but you know, if you get that as good as it can be, then any of the leads you do get in, you can you can track those a lot better. Well, and that's why I'm not a fan of just when, and these companies, I don't know, I don't run a giant company, so I don't know how it works, but they'll come to us, right? Oh, you have this many people who follow you on the internet. Here's what it's worth. I'm like, you have no idea what it's worth. 
And it's hard for them to price us and, and for us to price ourselves to them if we want to work with them. But a lot of people think, well, if I have this many people watch my stuff on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or listen to the podcast, this is about how much money I'll make. I'm like, it doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. If it's warm traffic, cold traffic, those are two different things. And the conversion rate oftentimes is so, so low, like mm-hmm. so low for people. And and somebody listening is probably like, well, Jeremy, what do you mean? I'm like, well, if you have 100,000 people who watch your stuff on Instagram, you're not converting 10% of those. Mm-mm. Like, do you understand like how fucking insane that would be to get 10,000 people to buy something from you? And we could talk about relationship building super fast. And the example I always give is imagine you who is listening to this. If you're an entrepreneur, you're a fitness person, you're, have you ever in your life gave someone $200 that you've never met, you've never talked to, and you have no relationship with? Odds are it's never happened. Mm-hmm. Yet you as an entrepreneur or a business owner is asking that of the world. Yep. Do you see how crazy that is? Like for me to sell a $200 program to, you know, Bill in Nebraska, like he's probably had to listen to me on 50 podcasts mm-hmm. and watch me post on Instagram. And I probably had to message him personally or something probably had to happen for him not to think I was a complete piece of shit and buy something from me. And so you have to build that trust over time and then you can convert him. And a lot of people kind of miss that step and they just think, well, if I throw it out there, it will happen. I'm like, but there's a, a huge process that goes into that. And if you've never learned it or taught it or, you know, had an inner circle or a mastermind group or a mentor kind of walk you through it, business gets real tough real quick. I think about the people who message me who say, you know, I'd love to book a project with you. I've been following your work for years. And most people would hear that and be like, oh, that's really flattering. They've been following your work for years. What I hear is it took years for them to be nurtured by me before they had the confidence to swipe a credit card with me. And my job is to make sure that I'm doing everything I can to shorten that time frame. And that nurture phase is important. Like, yes, we have to attract our audience. We have to attract leads. And I, I should say leads, not audience. Audience doesn't mean anything. But a lead is someone who, who's paying attention to you. Then we have to nurture those leads. And then once we nurture those leads, we have conversion opportunities. But if we're skipping over that nurture phase, I mean, it's like asking someone to marry you on the first date. It's not going to happen. You have to have some system. You do it through your podcast, through your newsletter. We have our podcast, our newsletter, our, 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 our even our social media where it's all done to nurture our audience let them know that we're there to support them even if they've not yet swiped a credit card with us once your body of work Mm -hmm. over the course of years absolutely and that's when i see someone like oh and again i don't necessarily look like how long have they been around but if you can go back and see like well you've been doing it for a long time it builds a trust with people and that's a lot of young people or people just fresh into the game can't really connect the dots with that uh, if we segue to this here, best quick tips for the people looking to actually take a leap and go on their own. If they're, they're working their corporate job or their safe job or the thing they're used to, but they have this itch to, well, maybe it's time to pull the trigger. Is there any, any tips you'd, you'd give them to make it less painful? I mean, you could look at this so simply and we, we make things very complicated, unfortunately. And I think as business coaches, we prefer things are complicated because it, it's why people hire us. But if you were to look at business simply, you need three things. You need something to sell. And the something to sell has to be something people want. So identifying that matters. Uh, you need a way to take the money. 
Okay, so whatever payment gateway you're using, and then you need a way to give people what they purchased. I mean, that's a business right there, those three facets. And when you boil it down that simple, business becomes a lot less scary and a lot less of this grand thing where you need this massive funnel. What is it that people are asking you about? What could you give them that they, they, they want or they support or that, that would solve a problem in, in their lives? Create that thing have a way to take the money and then have a way to give them what they purchase and pilot launch it, test it. You see how it works in your, in, in, with your audience, put it out there, see how it does, see if it has legs to it. You don't have to burn down the ships. Uh, once you hit land, you can test things out and see how it works and then refine it in real time. But the worst thing you can do is just hold on to something, trying to perfect it, waiting for it to be this perfect thing before you ever release it never even letting your audience know that you were ever working on it or that anything was ever coming so that when you do release it, people are like, where the hell did this come from? Right. Test ideas, put them out there. It is. Uh, I do see the, I'm not a perfectionist uh, by any means. I've never tried to be perfect. I fuck up a lot of stuff. Um, I'm more kind of like the ready shoot aim person. Mm-hmm. Um, and my wife hates this because I'll send out, I do we th- three emails a week, every week for, what lasts like 11 years, 12 years. So that's about 2000 emails. The amount of misspelled words, I'm sure (laughs) in in terrible punctuation. And sometimes people will message me and tell me how awful I suck, which is fine. Um, But that's just kind of how I roll. Like you can't wait for the perfect time to do it. You have to really just take a chance. And even if you have a polished product, like some of the stuff that we've done, the first thing we did on the internet, and this is God's honest truth. I think we spent like $6,000 on everything. Um, we can do things way more efficient now. But back in the day, like everything costed a million bucks. Like this podcast would have cost fucking $10,000 to do years ago. Now we can do it rather quickly. But when we set out our stuff, I think it's been six grand and that product made like 800 bucks. It's a pretty, it's a pretty big L. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, I learned like what I can do better the next time. And most of you guys too, the first thing you put out or the first job you get or the first service or you know product you're selling is probably not going to be, you know, the new iPhone. It's probably going to be a lot worse, but you'll learn from the experience of it anyway. But you do have to take the chance. The things I would tell you guys quickly, if it's just a personal level, like be frugal when you start because mm, you have no money um, and you're not going to make a lot of money. So live as cheap as you can, as long as you can. Uh, this is probably anybody, even the people who are like doctors and you just, just became a doctor. Um, you're broke too. You have a million dollars of student loans, pay that shit off and then go do what you need to do. Again, we've talked about it. Don't, you know, be afraid to ask people for help. Standing on the shoulders of giants is real. There's a huge learning curve, and you're going to basically, you know, kind of cut to the front of the line if you do that enough. And the last thing, just just be patient, really, with stuff, because you probably suck when you start. I know the people who bought stuff from me are the first people I trained in a park like 15 years ago. I apologize to you because I'm sure it was terrible, and what I sold you was awful, but I didn't know any better. And over time, you get better and you kind of refine your craft and your skills and what you're doing and you present it. But at first, you don't deserve every opportunity and you're probably not going to sell out of everything you do because you're just not good enough yet. You just got to, it just takes time to kind of curate, you know, what you're eventually going to become. I would say, I would add to that, be willing to suck too. Oh God, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, like my first podcasts were so damn bad. You know, my first blog's awful. Like, my first photographs, you know, I mean, terrible. Like, I I don't look back at those fondly, but I had to do all those to do the work I do now. Same with you. 
Well, yeah, it's like the first time you exercise. You're not super fit. Mm-hmm. Like you're not super mobile. You're not super strong. But over time, it just builds up. And a lot of people, again, I work, I get the benefit here. We hire a lot of young coaches who first come in and they want to do all these things. And then they're here long enough and they're like, okay, shit, maybe my mindset's kind of changed. And I don't say it to them negatively. I'm like, you guys just suck right now. And it's, and it's I'm not doing it in a, a, because I sucked. The first time I was on live TV, I mean, what a train wreck. <laughs> I looked like just a serial killer. I don't know where to stare. There's a teleprompter. I'm fucking awkward. I'm still weird. But you do it long enough, you do get better. And that's the same thing for you guys who are out there. Uh, did I miss anything? This is a lot. Yeah. Did I touch everything? I feel like we covered a lot. Yeah. This is a lot of stuff, dude. Um, where can these guys, um, where do they find you? How do they harass you? Stalk Super you? easy. Fitposium.com is the conference. And if they're interested, they could use the code James 10, knock 10% off and oh. they could attend virtually or in person. So, I mean, there's really no excuse not to not to invest in in this opportunity to get media exposure. And what is it um is it all day? How does it run? 2 days. 2 days. 2 days. Um technically two and a half, but two full days of education. Uh and then Instagram at @jpatrickphoto and I I do respond to every message I get. You're one of those. I am. Yeah. So am I sadly. It's a gift and a curse. And you shoot stuff everywhere all the time. Yep. Yep. We're, we're opening our new studio right now in, in uh, it's near downtown Phoenix by the airport. So it's a big space. Yeah. I'm super excited about it. It's about 3,200 square feet in the studio bay and we're building up the psych wall. So it's been, it's been a long week of construction. And when is it going to be ready to rock? Uh, I mean, we could start doing shoots in there probably in about a week or two. Nice. Uh, and then we'll do we'll do an open house. We're actually going to host Fitposy in there, uh, but we'll do which will be kind of a soft launch for us, and we'll do official open house later in October. So if you're a local person like Scottsdale, Phoenix, Chandler, Gilbert, whatever, you can actually go to Fitposy. Oh yeah, yeah, in person. Yeah, we'll have it at the studio. I do like that. I can't wait till we can get back to do all the awesome stuff because it's there's a something again like digital is great too. Like we do it the best thing you can, but when you can actually meet somebody and create a relationship with them. It does strengthen when you can see them like face to face. There's a lot of weight that comes with that. I think, yeah, I, I, I have to echo that. Like even when we were hiring, um, a recent team member, like it's, it's 99% of the work is done virtually. We still hired someone locally. It just helps me. Yeah. For me personally, but I'm old school. We're old dude. That's what we do. (laughs) You and I are the same age. and, And that fact uh, is, is why I go to the gym early in the morning. <laughs> you know, you just get it done. Well, it's weird. Cause like now people will make comments on Instagram and they'll say things like, Jeremy, you've been doing this forever. I'm like, well, I'm not like a hundred dude, but you forget, <laughs> like you forget, like when you're like, when you're 25, you think someone who is like 35 is like a hundred, yep. you know, and every year that goes on, it's just exponentially gets greater. Like when you're 20, you think 50, like someone's dead. Like, you're like, oh, my God, they're 50. Like, they're the oldest shit. And I'm like, yeah, maybe like 100 years ago. But now if you're 50, it's like, there's dudes here that are like 55 and they're shredded. They look great. I had this uh, notification pop up today that Pearl Jam's album 10, uh, like their strong uh, first big debut oh, album, yeah. it's now 30 years old today. And Wait, that, that right there. Oh, man. <laughs> that was like, I mean, Jeremy, Alive. It's like. Black. Yeah, even flow. I'm, I mean, elementary school. Almost, I had the tape at first. I had the cassette tape, yeah. But it's crazy because I had a kid work for me before. Jacob, you met him. Mm-hmm. Um, he was here for three years. He didn't know who Pearl Jam was. <laughs> like that's 
so disheartening to me. And it's also a lesson for everybody listening. If you think um, you're super important, this is not to make you feel bad. Um, and then like the world's watching you and everybody cares what you're doing. There's people out there who don't know who Pearl Jam is. And don't know who Eddie Vedder is. So if they don't know who that is, they don't give a shit what you're doing. So, so take chances, dude. Live your life. Like you just have to. Perfectly said. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm going to post all of James's stuff uh, in the show notes. You guys will be able to see it. Um, I'll throw it up on Instagram. Uh, it'd be on my main feed. We'll snap a photo. It'll be on my story. Um, you guys will see that. But if you got questions for him, just reach out. Obviously he's, uh, he's very on top of it. He's very similar to myself. He's been in the life for a long time. And uh, if you need something, just hit him up and he'll uh, he'll get to it. So I appreciate it, brother. Appreciate you. Um, if you guys need anything else, obviously hit me up. We'll be back uh, in a couple of days here. Um, so, yeah, uh, as always, you guys, eat well, train hard, be nice to people. And please, you guys, keep doing shit you love with people you enjoy because your life is too short not to. I'll talk to you guys soon. Peace.